Moses in the CIA? I'm Moses, Ken Mosesian. And like my ancestor, I'm all about training individuals, teams, and companies how to lead. Now, I've joined forces with the CIA. I'm Dan Crum, known as the CIA. And I can help you win your best deal every time through my sales training, the CIA method. Join us as we talk about topics of life and business from two unique perspectives. Hello, Ken. How are you this fantastic afternoon? For both of us, Dan, it's rare, but we're both talking to each other in the daylight. I know we are actually meeting at our normally scheduled time, but no, sorry, normally scheduled day, but at an earlier time, which is really cool because we're both more wide awake, especially after you didn't get to sleep for a long time. But now I think you may have caught up a little bit because you seem more wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. I can't tell if you have a bushy tail, but you seem more wide-eyed. And today we're talking about trial learnings. What the heck is that all about? Great question, Daniel. It is about that we learn through our trials and the things that we learn in our lives, our personal lives, can be applied to our lives at work as well. And so uh, if you listen to the past podcast, you know that we had, uh, my dad had a hospitalization and then brought him home to my sister's house where he's living. And we had a lot of stuff to get in play. There were five key things as I reflected back, and I am brighter eyed and bushier tailed right now, as Dan said, uh, because I did get some rest. But there were five key things that we learned, and I wanted to share those five today and talk about how they can apply to your life at home and to your life at work. So Daniel, that's what this is about. Before you hadn't slept much. Right. And what was going on that led you to first not sleep much? So now you're eventually catching up and you're getting some learnings from all these trials you're facing. What are these trials you're facing? Be more specific. Sure. So uh, when my dad came home from the hospital, he had to be on oxygen 24-7. And there's this super cool machine that just produces pure oxygen. It's, it's amazing. Three feet tall, two feet wide. And you know, no more canisters being taken to the hospital and refilled. The downside is that there's a 50-foot cord that trails behind it. So my dad, who uses a walker, had to be accompanied everywhere he went, whenever he went. And the reason I didn't sleep is because we had little ring cameras set up in his bedroom, which is on the lower floor of my sister's home, where I was also um, sleeping out in the family room. And I had the, the ring app on my phone. So anytime my dad would move, the app would go off and the little video would pop up, which is great because I could tell if he was just sitting up in bed to have a drink of water, you know, or if he was getting up to actually go to the bathroom, in which case I had to respond, go in there, help him with the cord, help him manage all that. And that's why there was so much exhaustion because there just wasn't much sleep had. And it's like, you know, if you're, if you're a parent, you, you know what it's like to get up in the middle of the night multiple times for kids. Most parents, though, are 20s, 30s, perhaps. Um, I'm older than that. And so getting up in the middle of the night out of a dead sleep is a little bit more of a challenge. But now with some sleep under my belt, I was able to look back and reflect. And Dan, the first thing 
that I came to was this, that we had identified the, the challenge that we had. We had to get home health care in for my dad. Five days in a hospital bed for anyone can just really take it out of you. If you're 96 and you're not getting up and getting exercise on a regular basis, which they weren't doing because the hospital was understaffed, your muscle mass deteriorates. And because he was having breathing problems, something I learned, um, better oxygenation is partially attributed to more muscle mass. And so if we want to wean him off the oxygen, we had to get him exercising again. So we needed home health to come in with physical therapy to work on him. We needed a home health aide to come in to help bathe him because he was now kind of unstable in the shower and couldn't do that on his own. And we needed a nurse to come in to check for signs of worsening congestive heart failure. And so our first determination was, we know what our goal is, and we're, we refuse to take no for an answer. We understand that no may happen from different agencies, but we refuse to not let this challenge get solved. And that meant exploring every option from changing insurance companies to staying with the insurance company that we had, to talking to as many different home health agencies as we possibly could, and trying to work out schedules at work. But lesson one is identify the problem you need to solve, be okay with not knowing how exactly it's going to get solved, and do not take no for an answer. Navigate to that solution without delay. So when I hear this, I have a couple of thoughts. So first off, let's go to the oxygen thing. Is this how we're going to oxygenate people on Mars? So will they be in a room and we're going to have, we're going to produce the oxygen. We can't obviously bring a thousand tanks, right? So we're going to be able to use this technology to produce oxygen on Mars. Probably is the answer. Secondly, we actually talked about this after our last podcast reporting, which is this cord sounds very inconvenient and there's got to be a better way. And if it hasn't already been invented, Maybe we can invent it and maybe we can make a bunch of money, run some system that goes across pulleys and little whatever hooks across the ceiling. So it's not a tripping hazard, but it allows people to walk around the room without an issue. The next thing is don't take no for an answer. Um, it reminds me of a rule and the rule is called the two day rule. And the two day rule applies perfectly to this. Don't take no for an answer, which is. If you are committed to doing something, so the answer to you is, will I do that thing today? The answer would be yes, but you are allowed to one day and only one day in a row to ever say no today. No, I'm not going to do that thing, but it is a violation of your commitment to your whatever rule is it, it to ever say no two days in a row. And, uh, it goes along with this thing of your father's in a hospital bed and what happens His, you know, muscles start to like deteriorate. All these things happen. So it's perfectly acceptable if he was in the hospital for one day and he didn't get a chance to get up and move around, probably no harm is done, right? He could get up the next day and start moving around, but you compound that by doing it multiple days in a row. So my takeaway from that first lesson is, um, don't take no for an answer more than one day in a row. It's okay to break the habit or break the commitment, but don't do it two days in a row. 
It's great. And I'm also with you on we need to invent a system that's better than this one. And yes, we could make a lot of money if we did that. And it, there was a, such a stark contrast between that extraordinary technology to produce pure oxygen and the inability to have somebody who's using a walker be able to manage a cord. Second big thing that we learned out of these five um, was every denial opened up a new possibility. Every time that we got uh, a home healthcare agency that was understaffed and couldn't do it or didn't have a schedule that would fit or wouldn't take the insurance, every time we did that, it caused us to think, well, what else could we do? And we sat down and this is where we started thinking about maybe we need to have a different kind of insurance that would be more acceptable to different home healthcare agencies. And so we did some exploration on that. Maybe we need to change to a different kind of Medicare, for example. And we found out that there were challenges with doing that, but it also opened up some ideas for us for what we could do later on down the road that would make life easier for him. And frankly, since I'm of that age or getting very close to it, it really opened my eyes as to what I need to do, my husband needs to do to prepare for that time when 65 rolls around. We're unaware of things. So new possibilities open with every denial. And as long as you're engaged in item number one, which is we're going to navigate towards that solution and we're not going to take no for an answer, we're going to get the solution, even though we don't know how it's going to come. As long as you're in that, then a denial is just another step on the road to getting to the final answer. One of my favorite sayings is denial is a river in Egypt. I was actually checking to make sure that I got it right. It's in Egypt, but at first at Africa, and then I'm like, wait, Egypt is in Africa. And you know, I'm a little slow on geography. Anyway, um, one of my favorite sayings is God's delays are not God's denials. So it aligns perfectly with that second lesson that you're trying to teach there, which is sometimes when something is looking like it's not going to work, it opens the possibility of something even better. So sometimes when we were like, we just really want this to work out. I really want this job. I really want this relationship. I really want whatever it is. And uh, you're doing, you think the right things to make it happen. Um, you, and it just doesn't work out see that as an opportunity. It's an opportunity that there may be something better in store for you, right? And so that's part our responsibility to take on and go, how do I look for and find the better, right? How do I see it as a door opened up for new possibilities, hopefully better possibilities, but also to kind of trust if you believe in God or a higher power that there's maybe something even better in store for you. That if there is a plan for your life, or if you're on the right path, that um, maybe what you actually thought you wanted, maybe the thing that you so desired was actually going to take you further off path or what you were meant to be doing with your life. And maybe the ultimate door that was open would lead you back to the right thing, the better thing that would you know, make your life even better. That was a hard one to accept because uh, you, want the, you want the yes immediately. You just want to get it solved. And yet, um, what we ended up with was the best possible solution we could have had, and we never would have gotten to it without item three, people want to help you if you ask. So it's one thing just to call and say, do you have availability? Do you take this insurance? It's another thing to say, is there anything you can do? Is there anyone you can recommend? Is there a way that you could 
assist us. And we were so blown away by the goodness of people out there. People really want to help. This is a super simple one. There's not much more to say about that. If you, if you approach a situation that that person is an ally and an advocate and not an adversary who might say no to you, but they're really there to try to help, man, shifts the conversation, shifts the energy 100%, and people showed up for us in ways that we never, ever would have expected. Ken, I don't have anything to add to that amazing insight to lesson number three. You are totally right. You should try to look at the person who you're dealing with, that their job, that their desire is actually to help you and not in any way to stand in your way. Because when you see them in that manner, you're more than likely to get what you want. Oh, man, Dan, you are right on on that one, brother. And I think the other piece that goes with that is if you approach in business, if you approach someone that you may have seen sitting across the table from you in that if it's a metaphorical way, if it's a literal way, somebody across the table from you automatically takes on that adversarial role. I want this, you want that. But what if we approach it from, and you also want to help me? And that made the difference. So item four, telling your story matters. And this ties back into the other one. It would have been super easy just to say, hey, we need some help Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, 8 a.m. to noon. You available or not? No, boom, hang up. But what I did was I told the story about my dad. It's like, he's 96. He's an amazing guy. We've done some traveling together. You know, he's had an, an amazing life. Here's some of the stuff he's done. Um, and he, he's a great patient. And I know your folks would love working with him. Is there any way you can see your way clear to doing that? Or do you have any recommendations? And most of the people wanted to know more about him. It's like 96. Wow, what's his secret? What you know? What what's kept him alive this long? And his mind's still really good. Well, what's what's all that about? And so all of a sudden, it moved from being a transaction into something that was transformational. It moved out of just being like a request, "Can you help?" Yes or no, into the sharing of a story in which people got enrolled. And we actually found the home healthcare agency that we used. Because one of their competitors said, I want to help your dad. And I'm going to call one of our competitors that wasn't on our list. We had no idea that they existed. I don't know why. We did a Google search on them. They didn't show up. But she knew of an agency who she thought would accept our insurance. They called us. They accepted the insurance. They said yes. And they have been just phenomenal. And it's all because we shared that story of my dad and that other person was so enrolled in it that they actually stepped up and helped us solve the problem by giving us one of their competitors. There have been multiple books that talk about the power of storytelling. I am a huge advocate and coming from the place of sales training, people don't want facts, right? They don't want the details about how your product does the technical stuff. They want to be told like, how does your product or service meet my need or solve my problem? And it, there's a great book by a Dr. Robert Cialdini called Influence. And in it, he talks about the power of the word because, and because really is a story, right? Like, well, why? Like, why should I care? And really that's like the ultimate question of sales is like, what's in it for me, 
right? So the ability to tell your story gives them a way to connect with you and hopefully see themselves or have empathy. And if you can insert that word, because, because this is important for this reason, or you should care because whatever, um, you're absolutely able to connect with people for them to have empathy for your situation and hopefully to be able to influence them to get across the message and then hopefully do what you're asking them to do. When you know you're successful, when they offer to do it without you having to ask them to do it, that was like a perfect example of what you just talked about, Dan. Last thing is you got to take care of yourself. And my morning routine was shot to hell. There was, there was no you know, hour of time to get up, meditate, go for a walk, come back and do exercise. Stuff was happening and I needed to be attentive to my dad. But instead of an all or nothing approach, I chose to go with catch as catch can. And that means when my dad took a nap, I could take some time and meditate. It meant that when he was eating lunch, I could go out to the garage and get a quick workout in. Uh, it meant that I could do my um, uh, my readings that I do, uh, positive readings, scriptural readings. I could do those at particular times. In fact, what I ended up doing was doing them with him and uh, sharing why they they were meaningful to me. So that last piece is stay with whatever it is that you do for your own personal care, but know that it may not be able to fit in the schedule in which it has always fit. And that's okay. If you're having a super busy period at work, a time when things are just going like crazy, maybe you've had resignations, you've got to step in and step up. That's okay. Get in whatever you can, whenever you can. Don't neglect taking care of yourself to the extent that you can and be okay that it's not perfect. When working with athletes, it's called a reset. It's a mental reset. And uh, for certain athletes, let's say a pitcher, you can't necessarily do a full reset or the reset the way I would teach a regular person when you're standing on the mound in the middle of a game pitching, right? So I teach them a shortened version of it. And that reminds me of what Ken's trying to say there, which is sometimes you're in the middle of a very difficult situation. Um, you're facing trials and how do you still stay on practice, right? How do you stick with your routine, but how can you get it done maybe with less time or with less of an opportunity than you would have, let's say in your normal circumstance at home or somewhere else. Um, so all we did was we took what was a five-step process and we made it two steps. We just shortened it, right? So you have less time in that circumstance, but you can still get across the intention of what you're trying to do. You're still trying to reset your mind in this case from the previous pitch. Um, but you're able to get that done. So if you normally meditate and it's 20 minutes, call it, you might have five minutes, but use that five minutes and still do it. And you'll feel good doing it. The other takeaway that I get from that last lesson is that you are really a reflection of your habits. So that first thing I said was the two day rule. Don't say no two days in a row, right? Like don't stop whatever pattern it's okay to have a day off. Look at that this way, right? If you're having a difficult time with something, there's a trial in, you know, you're facing, um, take a day off, but see it as that, like, see it as a gift, like oh, it's a day off, call it a cheat day, call it a day of rest. It doesn't matter, but then just jump right back on track and you won't really have lost anything, right? As long as you jump right back on track. So sometimes it's okay to be completely off track, but to look out for yourself means you recognize when you either have to do a shortened version or whether you need to say, you know, today is my day off. I need to focus on this but just jump right back on track the next day. Perfect, Dan. Quick summary, the big five, be committed to getting to the goal 
don't take no for an answer and be okay with not knowing exactly how you're going to get there. Item two is every denial opens up a new possibility. The third point was that people want to help if you ask. The fourth thing is storytelling is powerful and it's enrolling. And the fifth thing is stay with your personal care, your self-care. Just know that it may happen in a way that it normally doesn't. Grab a few minutes here and there to do some meditation, some exercise, uh, get some quiet time, but make sure you don't neglect it. Thank you for listening. To learn more, check out MosesInTheCIA.com. To learn more about Ken Mosesian, check out Mosesian.com. To learn more about Dan Crum, check out DanCrum.com. Thank you.